0: Welcome to today's eco-marketing podcast, where we welcome special guest, Will Travis. Will is a brand elevator, and he certainly earned that title. Will has led three global creative agencies as CEO, representing brands you know, like Coke to Toyota to Netflix and North Face. He's published six international design books named Noise. Noise. And his agencies sit in the Hall of Fames with The One Show, Promax BDA, Cans, and Effies. Five years ago, Will pivoted from commercially elevating brands to elevating personal brands, founding the Elevation Barn, which encompasses now over 300 leaders across 16 countries to solve higher-purpose social, business, and philanthropic challenges, And host some pretty cool virtual and physical retreats. I honestly can't think of a better person to speak to brand and creative and green marketing today. Welcome to the podcast, Will. Thanks for being with us.
1: Oh, you're very welcome, Leslie. Thanks for having me over here.
0: I'm going to jump right into it. One of the things that we've been thinking about is that we usually see eco logos in kind of the same way. There's usually I always think that there's always like a little plant sprouting out of it, or there's a planet Earth, sometimes a baby, um, a water drop. More recently, some of the examples have had a reusable shopping bag. And I'm curious, do you feel these are signals that are required to let folks know that we're focusing on sustainability? Are we to a point now where we can look at more modern, clever alternatives to highlight the focus on sustainability?
1: Yeah, good question. I mean, recognition is 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 absolutely critical if you can reflect something that represents an emotion or an engagement, a connection with something that the consumer can connect with, then it's seen as obviously a, a, a lesson or a battle won quite quickly down the line. But <laughs> to your earlier point, there's so many green brands out there now. There's, there's a bit more thought behind how you can position yourselves to stand out from the other green brands. So there's, there may be systems of structure or format or mm-hmm. connotation that all have different ways versus interpretation that's direct to physical examples. The other thing that is really critical to think about at the moment is consumers also no longer see a green mark as an authority they probe a lot deeper. And so brands that signify that they are heavily engaged or uh, driven behind a green narrative do have to be very careful because the consumer will research, they will look deeper. And if false promise is given, that's where the rebound of uh, reaction can be far worse for a brand than the actual claim that they are green through all sustainable means
0: right so that makes a lot of sense we've talked about authenticity in in the podcast quite a lot right. um, so yeah I can see I can see how you're talking about the eco locos having to do with what the agency is doing not necessarily just the expected green piece to that so let me dive a little further I'm going to get really detailed here what about fonts and colors so are there fonts or colors that portray sustainability in the environment more than others? Or, you know, do we stick with green and brown and, you know, possibly a blue if we're getting into oceans? Well, just
1: going off fonts, I mean, fonts are that some are scripts and some, uh, you know, as in the form of the serif and then the sans serifs. Uh, There's also then a whole plethora of of handcrafted scripts and fonts that uh, brands engage uh, or create for their own purpose the the font itself if it, it it does lean towards the the takeaway that the brand itself wants to deliver so many technological companies obviously use sans serifs that are a little mm. bit more blunt and straight and, and obviously crafted through technology whereas the uh, the balance of more eco-friendly brands there is that natural touch that they want to sort of display over to a consumer, but then that can get a little bit take carried away. You know, there's certain soft drinks now that, unless it's unless it's 100% pure, sort of greenwash their products with fluid, uh, eco-friendly type forms, elements where there's there's um, kerning and points that are touched on the fonts to help them seem a little bit more uh, eco-engaged by the, 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 the round circle on an O being more of a, like a, a water drop or yeah. a, a form of a shape of a sea so it feels more like the side of a leaf. There, there are very clever ways of doing it and engaging it, but the font should stem from what is the message that the brand wants to give across. And not all brands are trying to give across that they are uh, about ecology or about conservation. They may very much be about a technology that is more eco-conscious when it comes down to fonts again the same when things are becoming a little bit more fluorescent or obviously manipulated to the point of a man-made imitation of color then you're you're walking a fine line but you'll see many beautiful brands that are based on uh, conservation means that incorporate golds or silver Mm. or all the different plethora of nature i mean when you look at a Uh, a sunrise or a sunset, the blue hues, the connections to oranges, the connections to yellows, to greens, to all these things. There is such a spectrum. And then there's also different color sways that you can go, depending on the mood that you want to bring across. You'll see this just on the simplicity of our photo management on our phones, where you can just sway a more dramatic or a more cool sway. Nature itself has the biggest spectrum of color that we could we could ever wish for. And so there's plenty of room to play in it. So if I was a brand navigator for a specific corporation, I'd say try and sway across uh, the plethora of, of, of opportunities that nature delivers and avoid the ones that immediately have to have a follow up form of education to help the consumer realize that there's a bigger purpose behind it.
0: Thank you. That is so cool. I could actually literally talk to you about fonts and colors all day and i love the idea of taking from nature but it's not just green and blue in nature right we kind of jump to that but of course that's where the most beautiful color palettes come from
1: yeah uh, and i've spent many a i've spent many a hour being chased by designers or arguing with designers that <laughs> that you know the thoughts even with elevation barn and at one point i i sillyly suggested that the Um, the V in the barn be turned upside down to propel forwards. And that was crushed quite quickly that every idiot on the planet can do something that obvious. The same goes with branding. When you're obviously just trying to replicate and it's now a laundry detergent or a vehicle or a plastic covered product. And you're, (laughs) you're taking on board a, a symbolism of nature that is just, is just false. People really, start to see that you can admit you can get away with it but it gets to the point where you're just taking advantage and now especially during um times like covid where people have a little bit more attention they're looking around themselves with a lot more clarity and a lot more purpose than ever before um the brands have to be really really careful I, I organize a, uh, a group coming together. for. I'm on the board for Mission Blue, which is a conservation group helping save our oceans with Dr. Sylvia Earle and oh. an array of incredible um, uh, scientists. And, you know, when we're looking at what they're doing and how they're impacting and the brands that want to come in and partner with them, we actually spend a lot more time saying no than, than yes. And when people are at home and they're looking at these things, they want to get involved they want to know their story they're no longer to jump on a plane or escape just to avoid being restricted at home they're actually walking around the garden they're looking at the plants on the ledge they're actually spending time looking in their eyes of their children so we're connecting to nature at a far higher depth and especially with such a a ticking clock on on conservation for the planet you know, it's now seven years even though we say 10 Everybody is getting um, an array of different uh, messages, inspirations, reasons, purpose-driven activities that they can get involved in. And so they're actually having to start to sort out the clutter. What are they going to get behind? How are they going to, to support it? We're working, the Elevation Barn's working on three global conservation projects at the moment. And it's a, it's a balance because people only have a certain amount of capacity mm. to help and support one or the other. So the brand, like it does with a, a, a consumer packaging product is becoming even more critical that it's no, it's no longer acceptable that you just had a local um, person that thinks they can draw bash something out because the credibility of branding goes so much deeper, whatever the product or services. And so. It's been quite a nice balance of helping these NGOs that really do realize that it's no longer just about a check signing person thereafter. It's about how do I trigger the emotions and a larger Mm. base of a populace that can support what I'm I'm trying to help.
0: So actually, that that brings up a really interesting question that I want to ask you then. Um, So we use the brand, obviously, to um, share what our company is doing and align with that. Um, And as you mentioned, stand out amongst the other brands. Um, But then when you have, again, as this grows, like how do you continue to do that? So one of the things I was thinking about was when we kind of read the news and some of this is a little old, but you know, you remember Ellen DeGeneres, you know, she was speaking up for the animals uh, about a year ago. There was quite a lot of that Uh, before that Leonardo DiCaprio had a lot of news stories around um, being kicked out of Indonesia for speaking up for the rainforest. And it all seems quite cool, right? So I guess my question is, can eco-marketing be cool? Is that a way to stand out? Or does it just have to stay kind of earthy in nature, natural?
1: (laughs) No, it's it's a great question. I I just interviewed um, a chap, Craig Foster, who did a documentary called My Octopus Teacher a few weeks ago. and. Uh, I'm also working with a a, a chap in, in Bozeman, Montana, whose grizzly bear is one of the most famous bears on the planet. Um, from movies? From movies, yeah. I mean, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Rufus has been has been this icon forever, and um, and and he is an incredible uh, connector of nature. And these people okay. are cool. I mean, an octopus is cool when you have a creature that's got nine brains. And, <laughs> you know, even my octopus teacher Craig was. It's, it's, it's like talking to a science geek, but on a topic that, because it's nature, it resonates with your core, regardless of, of your, your uh, directive in life, so that you can um, connect to those species by further information, by depth of meaning and science. I was diving just a couple of days ago and looking at cuttlefish. Here off the coast in Indonesia, and and their system of camouflage pulsing through the body—that is just cool. Oh, yeah, it's just badass, right? Because you're like, <laughs> how does it do that? How does an octopus survive when a shark takes its leg off? And and you know that that supposedly now knows brains. Or Craig saying that the actual actual octopus could be a new species to science, even though he's been studying that one region of the the Great African Sea Forest for. 10 years he's discovering. I think when you actually engage with the story behind the brand and the activity, that's when you find it's cool. We're working with an explorer, Dr. Steve Boyes, whose film, Into the Okavango, has become one of Netflix's uh, most successful films. We're now working with him on a thing called The Great Spine of Africa, which is four times the size of the Okavango. It's the, it's the, the sources of the water from probably a third of Africa's lifeblood. So it's an incredibly cool project for all the creatives, but it's also an incredibly cool project to tell the story of that can inspire such a a movement of activity behind it. Now, the Biosphere Foundation in North Bali at the moment, Biosphere 2, was probably the coolest scientific eco-conservation activity of our time. Eight people inside a three and a half acre ecosystem, a biosphere. Biosphere is the earth, biosphere two is this. And now two of these eight people are building a new center and a three-year expedition that the elevation barn team are have have brought in their young leaders group to support, and also are now introducing a 3 year three-year learning experience with the green school so that the kids can actually watch and track a real life expedition. I mean, when you're branding that, it's a lot simpler because when people do look beyond the mark, they see that there's a real story, there's real substance, and that's what that's what green is really about. It's 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 not just the icon, font, or color; it's the depth of the legacy behind it and what its grand ambition is focused upon.
0: <laughs> I, I've got you're so right, and I almost feel silly for asking the question because you're right. Nature is much cooler than we are <laughs> and science is super cool. And sometimes we just get, I don't know, kind of down this the same, same and, and forget some of that, but it's incredibly cool. And we just need to spend some more time. I think that there's like a cool way to educate through, and a lot of brands are doing this and eco-marketing is the education piece and just reminding us of the things like the octopus and the cuttlefish and the scientist of what they're doing. Um, in, in such a colourful colorful way and bringing the, the uh, sustainability messaging um, that can be tied to a brand out from, from that.
1: Well, your question actually is, is super smart, Leslie, because you bring up DiCaprio. Many people don't engage with DiCaprio now because he's so known for the, <laughs> the support he's, he's offering hmm. for uh, green conservation efforts that you just, oh, here he is again, and I'm used to him. Consumers need to really be kept in this. With branding, it's an oscillation between where you're getting people switched off and when you're getting people switched on. And you have to um, juggle between the two. You have to be like a great explorer. It's a typical great green icon, right? They're exploring, they're Mm. finding new places in the world, they're discovering new Mountaintops, or species, or fauna, etc. A great explorer actually comes out of the fog, says something incredible, and then disappears back again. He doesn't sit down and talk about his marital issues and you know his black and toenail <laughs> issue that he's you know his, his pediatrician's struggling with. You're like, what, dude? Wait, wait, there's way too much. And 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 it's the same with conservation. Um, I'm working um, on a new film with. Uh, Sir, David at- Sir David Attenborough's team at, um, at their group in London.
0: And, and you can't help but think of nature and sustainability you can't help but think right, of that nature. name, right? I mean, Absolutely. what an icon now.
1: But the delicacy they have to have there is that the content that they're capturing is so incredible, you can't actually capture that with the naked eye. So when you then go and <sighs> see that nature you can often be a bit disappointed. Why, why don't I have a sperm whale jumping over my canoe? Now that I've been around <laughs> or, or why isn't this octopus now up against the lens of my goggles so I can study it the way that these incredible cinematographers at Silverback Films do it? So they have this balance of story and juggle mm. between how they're representing their brands. Um, you know, I, I touched on before about this conservation group with Mission Blue. There was a group that went out, there's a network called Hatch, and they brought an array of very large corporate brands out to go and look at these plastic ateliers that are floating around um, mm. archipelagos. Right. And it was absolutely quite shocking how removed a lot of corporate brand builders are kept away from real life situations. They were in shock. And actually, Uh, Hasbro came out with a policy several months after being on the boat saying we will now no longer use single-use plastics. We're often blaming brand builders for not being scientists or ecologists or having the depth of knowledge that many of us may be tripping onto because it's a passion. Often in these large organizations, these people are there because they want to propel brands and sell billions of products. And suddenly they get put in the eco conservation department they're like seriously i I, I, <laughs> I didn't spend 20 years of my career propelling thoughts to be locked up just doing green leaves and mm. eco-friendly elements like you suggest and so there's a there's a real juggle that corporations have in educating and supporting those in charge of the voice of their brand even though they're being told well, you got to make this one stand the point apart how's its point of different what's its unfair advantage well it's 2% less sugar than the other one. Therefore, it's it's healthier for you. It, it's, a, it's a very tough um, and tight road to walk that needs a lot of support. So even you asking and doing these questions on your podcast is brilliant because I feel for these people that just get blamed and have an army of blame on their backs because that's not their job. They're brand builders, not scientists. And so there's right. a real harmony required here in education, as well as the power of a brand story, as well as the importance of conservation about the, the constant messaging that's out there, and, and all the way through.
0: And the inspiration, right? So I'm sure the people on the boat, then, you know, they become inspired, they can then pass that on, right? But if we're kind of locked in our our white office room with no inspiration and, you know, more challenges and that kind of looming, Oh my God, whatever we do, just don't greenwash um, and make it worse than we started. Um, Yeah. It's great. I, I, well, I think you're, again, you're reiterating why we're doing this, why we're having the conversation Um, now I have one last question and and (laughs) I'm a little little hesitant on where this is going to go, but I'm going to ask it anyway, because I think it's uh, interesting. And after talking about nature, we'll see how this, where this goes. So my final question is, can eco-marketing be sexy? So sex sells. We know this. Tons and tons of examples out there. But when we think about this in the natural sense, you know, I get these visions of 1970s bare-chested female protesters and think you know is that really what it is or is there an opportunity for eco marketers to kind of turn on their audience through either subtle sensuality or even raw carnality and i don't i don't know what what are your thoughts and then maybe if you've if you've seen any examples
1: i mean it is a delicate one and the word sex can seem a little bit more can, can seem quite tough love naturally fits with um, eco and yeah. conservation uh, we, we love our little cats and dogs and birds and plants and flowers etc cetera. Um, so taking it to the sexy element you immediately go into into uh, fast consumer products or you go into uh, white goods etc when you're thinking about how we can sex things up you know there are cars that i've been branding on in you know working with general motors and Toyota and a lot of sort of companies in the past, where they're like, "How do we make this this battery powered, this uh, hybrid sexier?" And, and so <laughs> it is important without
0: sexual. like the bathing suit model on the car, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, you know, they're excited. No, no, absolutely. I mean, and you have to have that balance. There is those laundry detergents, but even when I was working on Netflix and Facebook and Intel people still want sexuality is a sense and it's one of our senses that we rely on to find magnetism so if a marketer can think about how they can make it sexy with with subtlety and delicacy it's actually smart you know i think that there is a i think there's there's a there's a fine line between thinking of of of, of sex becoming soft porn or something that's provocative in the wrong way but you know, that there is a uh, a, humor, a human engagement with it is, is probably a smart way of doing it. I mean, even when I've done brands where the curvature and the iconography represents, you know, the, a human's body. Mm-hmm. Um, it may be sexy to some, it may be se- not sexy to others, but the curvaceousness, the power of red. You know, many people say don't use red in conservation. Why not? Some of the most beautiful flowers, birds, etc have this beautiful red plumage or foliage, um, there's a balance there that can trigger emotion in different ways uh, that will draw the attention. I think at the end of the day, as long as you are being authentic to what the purpose of your action is, then drawing people's attention to it because it's for good is something that needs to be balanced and and can be considered. I think if you're doing it just to manipulate or to transform an audience in the wrong way, then you've got to be you've got to be really delicate. It's interesting. We it it, it has become such a large topic for us that the elevation bar community, with, you know, three hundred and twenty people in forty six different industries in sixteen countries, and coming from the world in twenty odd years of brand building, we launched an agency called the Stable uh, just last year because of all these groups that were saying, look, it's great that you're connecting us with thought leaders and people that can help direct us. But could could you just give us a little bit more help in making sure what we're doing Mm. is right and not a mistake? And and it's a duty. I think it's a duty of any designer, of any brand builder, of any marketer to have a very eco-conscious perspective as well as a set of senses so that you can help guide a consumer in the right way. And you must be educated about it. Otherwise, you're going to be left behind for one. And two, because it's willful ignorance.
0: Thank you. I think that's a, a great way to wrap it up. Um, let me reiterate a couple of the takeaways for our audience that I've written down because it's been an amazing conversation, so much fun, and I love hearing about all the ideas you have and the and the experience from from brands and colors and fonts and. Um, so anyway, here here's my the the pieces that I wrote down. Um, first, starting with brands uh, should connect with their customers, um, understand that they may need to position themselves uh, as to stand out among other green brands, but continue to stay away from any false prop uh, promises uh, in that regard. And again, that's kind of what we've we've learned from earlier days in this space. The second which I love is that nature is cool nature resonates with our core and is a natural connector. And, you know, opening that up, I think is just a a phenomenal opportunity and wrapping it up with love connects. Brands can use this and the human engagement uh, to further the good that they're doing, as long as we're authentic and the brand is authentic in what we're doing. So thank you again, Will, for your time today. For our audience, that's a wrap. And remember, it's our individual micro decisions every day that collectively will make the big difference. So what are you doing? Just a little greener today.